Hello and welcome to the lead strategy, the lead generation strategies podcast. This is the first episode. And first, I wanted to welcome Mr. Austin Rickles. Welcome, sir. Thank you. <laughs> Glad to be here. And, and Austin is we we're uh, we've been talking for for what a year over a year and a half now, I think, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it started off where I was going through some some merger acquisition training, and so we we had met and connected over that over a LinkedIn. And then from there, you know, I, I think we've, we've developed pretty good relationships. First, it started with like one conversation a month or, or six weeks. And then it turned into uh, every other week or every other, yeah, every other week. And then it turned into every week and stuff. And so we, we get to catch up on, on life. We talk about business. And I just thought, what, would it be kind of cool to have a, to be a fly in the wall in some of the conversations that, we're, that we talk about? So this, this video is going to be all about Austin and what he's been up to, his digital marketing chops and things like that. So let me, let me ask the, the first question. So go back. Uh, we've talked a lot about this on, in our conversations, but start where, start from the beginning. Where, where did you start to, to get those digital marketing chops? What did that look like? Ah, well, it actually started as just an unpaid internship. I was still in school, uh, got thrown into the ad ops world. And it was actually pretty funny. My first interview for my internship, uh, talked to, to my old boss, you know, 30 straight minutes, Mm -hmm. Got off the phone, wound up, you know, just calling my dad. I was 22 years old, excited. He goes, what are you going to be doing? I said, I have no idea, but I got it. <laughs> <laughs> and so talk about AdOps. So what does that look like for some, for those out there that don't know what that is? Yeah. So that is specifically for the publisher side. So AdOps is the optimizations of the ad units on a website and the optimizations of the placements of each ad unit getting ad demand and generating the most revenue possible for a website. And, and so who are the best clients for ad ops? Uh, from my personal experience, I love, this doesn't really matter, but any site that has consistent fresh content. Mm -hmm. And so that allows, um, you know, the publisher to be able to either send traffic from email or social or anything really any, any, you know, traffic source, that part's irrelevant, but with the fresh content every day, it allows, you know, more opportunity for more users to come and be, become a repeat, um, just a repeated audience, mm -hmm. more page views every day and keep it going. Now, give us an idea of what the, the money that people can make with the ad ops, just, just give like a, doesn't have to be a crazy amount, but traffic based on traffic and, and when you monetize that traffic with ad ops, what, what's a, what's a, a round number that, that these websites that have traffic could be making? Uh, well, typically the, the industry standard. So the gold standard is to get what's called a $10 RPM, mm -hmm. which is revenue per milli, which really that just means earn $10 for every 1000 page views you have on your site. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the golden standard, anything above that, you know, amazing, but really the, the average, and this will depend on niche and depend on demographics for the audience, but the true average is probably more like a six to $8 RPM. Hmm. So a site that has, maybe they're getting a hundred thousand visitors uh, a month. So what would that look like? <clears throat> Say like in that six to $10 per range. Uh, so break that down to, Let's see, $6 per 1,000 page views, 
um, six dollars. So a hundred thousand page views, that'd be well without my calculator, what six hundred? Six hundred bucks, roughly. Mm -hmm. And then the and then the ten the uh, hundred thousand to ten dollars. So you're talking about a thousand dollars a month. Yep. Yeah. And so the gold standard is about a thousand dollars in ad revenue per one hundred thousand page views. Mm -hmm. So those are the probably the ideal websites that would it would make sense to to jump into that. So they're getting about a hundred hundred thousand page views per per month or so. Yeah, that's a good starting point. Mm -hmm. And then, so m most of the websites that you've worked in, and you don't have to, again, we don't have to go into the domains or anything like that, but if you're comfortable with going into the niche, um, cause I'd like to ask a couple questions on that. Um, so new sites, so maybe give some examples of, of some of the new sites. Uh, again, you don't have to mention the names, but just as you know, new site, a, you know, new site B. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, definitely. So I got my start in the specifically conservative news niche. Mm -hmm. And, you know, with new sites, uh, most publishers can bust out anywhere between three to 15, maybe 20 articles per day. And then a lot of them leverage either social or email to drive traffic to the site. Uh, the cool thing about that niche specifically is that due to the demographics and how polarizing that niche can be, mm -hmm. uh, the audience base interacts with ads very well. And from my experience, um, you basically are able to get a much higher uh, RPM on a site from that niche specifically. Mm -hmm. And this works on both sides of the aisle. So for anyone out there, news in general, conservative, liberal, it doesn't matter. You can generate a lot of page views and generate really good ad revenue from there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I've, I've worked on some sites and, um, you know, some of our sites right now record pages of, or record RPMs of 30 to $35. Wow. You know, way above the norm. And I, you know, to follow that up, social traffic does tend to perform the worst out of all traffic from an ad perspective, mm. not from a page view perspective, but specifically from ad revenue, email traffic is where it's at. So in other words, you got a, you got a company who, is driving traffic from social media to the website. And now you're looking at that specific traffic coming from social media and how well those people are doing on the ads on the site. So whether it's Google AdSense or whatever, you know, there's other ones, I guess, out there where you can set that up. So from that standpoint, the social, the traffic come from, coming from social media does worse. So in relation to, you talked about the 30 to 40 record RPM, right? Yeah, so, my so, personal record. I'm sure there are people doing better. Better, right. way, but right. that's way above the average. And that's email, right? You're talking. That's email. That's yeah. You're getting that through email. So what? How does that? What does social media look like? How do you compare? What's what's a social media compared RPM? So unfortunately, so social media, you don't have the with that traffic, you don't have the benefit of also monetizing email newsletter with more ads, and mm -hmm. that does you know hurt the overall RPM fairly significantly. Mm -hmm. uh, and the biggest issues with social traffic, and even though you can get amazing, amazing page views and get it very quickly and like massive spurts of traffic, mm -hmm. the issue with those users specifically is I call them the, you know, the ADD audience, unfortunately. <laughs> and that just is what it is. Uh, you tend to get a lot less time on site from those users, less pages per session, and the bounce rate tends to be much higher. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. You think that's because of the internet marketing style on social media? People are uh, they're they're scaling their their the feed, scrolling and everything. They're they want to see all over the place. And, they want to see know. videos on kitty cats and dogs, and then they see your ad pop up for a conservative news site, and and they're oh it's kind of cool, and then they get there and they're like oh I lost interest. I'm going to go back and watch some cat videos. Yeah, a lot of the time they'll read you know sometimes not even the entire article, then go right back to Facebook or Instagram or wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, where on the email newsletter side, those are people who have already opted in. The interest is definitely there. Otherwise, they wouldn't be part of your email list. Mm-hmm. And they're actually looking forward to receiving your emails every day. Mm-hmm. And from there, they'll pick their favorite story and click into there. And within the email template itself, there's already you know a couple ads in there. And then once you are able to get them focused on that, clicking in within your email, driving going from your email to your site, you're essentially double monetizing each user. Mm-hmm. And then those, since those users, you know, are very invested in your site, they're going to go through, read an entire article. The, the time on page, it's actually from what I've seen, it can triple. So say you're averaging a minute on page from social, you can get, you know, three minutes or more from mm-hmm. an email user. Mm-hmm. Because then they're also going to another article it's just um, they're much more in tune with your brand than someone just popping over from social media real quick. Right. And what and what, what I really like about you from the beginning is you're not into politics. Like you do not follow yeah. politics at I all. I actually have not read a single article of <laughs> any, any of my sites or client sites or anything. Uh, I just understand the niche very well. At, at that and you're looking at the numbers and the data from a objective point of view, right? It's it's not it's not that you're being subjective and you're skewing numbers, bias and this and that. I mean, you're not even you don't even have a pulse on that, that market at all. You're just getting something come in. You're looking at it from a, a data standpoint and, and optimization standpoint. And I think that's, that's a huge thing that you do. You know, I've always admired about you in, uh, in the work that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I very much just focus on the, the ad revenue statistics, uh, how each unit on page is performing uh, versus, you know, different placements, depending on where that is. Uh, funny thing is sometimes an ad unit at the very bottom of the page will outperform one at the top of the page. Mm-hmm. So you'll have to go in and see why is that happening? Okay. You know, you go in and someone loads your site, you have a nice big ad right above the title. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of people are scrolling immediately to get right into your article mm-hmm. and then they're slowing down at the bottom of the page. And so that last unit, you know, right after the content is actually staying uh, in on the user's screen longer than anything up top. Mm-hmm which is kind of counterintuitive because everyone wants what's called above the fold. Mm-hmm. And so they want their ads right there, right when the site loads. And so you have to really pay attention to user behavior, how they interact with your site. And that's where Google analytics comes from. And I do spend a lot of time in there. <laughs> uh, tell a real quick story when you were in school and you had a Google analytics uh, core, uh, class and uh, what the teacher, how the teacher reacted to you. Yeah, well, it was pretty funny. So I, I was already working full time. I actually, uh, my internship went well and they actually hired me to come on full time before I was even done with school. And so, you know, I'd already been working with Google Analytics for, for about a year at this point. And finally, you know, at the end of my marketing degree, uh, Google Analytics was a hot topic and the teacher was teaching stuff. And they're like, has anyone ever used Google Analytics before? I look around, I'm just like, 
<laughs> and I'm the only one to raise my hand. And the teacher's like, tell me more about what you do. And I just went through this whole spiel of, you know, diving in, finding exact, like, you know, UTMing, uh, you know, URL, going in to see where your traffic's coming from, whether it's source medium, time on page, from those users, everything. My teacher actually had me go up and, and demonstrate everything in <laughs> Google Analytics. <laughs> and to me, like, I, it didn't really register until after that, that that is something people do have to learn in school and everything to work on within marketing in really any, any field within marketing. Mm-hmm. But to me, it was just so second nature that it caught me off guard that, you know, other people weren't already doing it. Right. And, and we've had talks about that and how much easier or more sticky it is to learn Google Analytics if you're working on your own sites, right? Most of those, those other fellow classmates in there weren't, didn't have an internship on AdOps like you did, mm-hmm. where you actually had the application, you were learning it, but you were also applying it to websites and looking at data and seeing where things are supposed to fit with that. So it's, I, I mean, I would have saw it was hard. I would have been one of those people right sitting right next to you yeah. and watching you raise your hand, and I never would have had any experience with it. Yeah, the hands-on experience played a huge role in the ability to learn that faster because not only, you know, because you're, you're forced to interact with it uh, for your job, but when you actually have a site to where you can see on the other side what the analytics means and what they're tied to, it made it just so much easier to understand versus someone who is just diving straight into analytics without any site to reference from. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned UTM parameters. So uh, talk a little bit, if you can, bring it down to some yeah. of those out there. They're like, UTM parameters, what the hell is that? Yeah, so UTM parameters, there's a few different options. The main two are source and medium. I typically only use source because it's just for me to keep track of who's sending traffic where, et cetera. Yeah, by email so, or social media yeah. or whatever. And so all that really means is the UTM parameter, it's, hate to go uh, hard jargon here, <laughs> but it's just, if you ever go to a URL and you see at the end of the, at the end of the URL, there's an extra slug on there. That's mm-hmm. just a question mark. Then it'll say UTM underscore source equals. Mm-hmm. And then you can put in whatever you want there and say, for example, say email. Mm-hmm. And then you're able to go into Google Analytics, go to acquisition and right under acquisition overview within your traffic tab, it'll say source medium. You click on that and then you can see exactly how many pages came directly from email. Mm-hmm. And uh, it really just allows you to, to break down your statistics uh, just to another level. Yeah, that's really cool. And I, I learned that probably a couple of years ago, the, the power of UTM. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing with AdOps, where you can speak on the idea of what kind of a viewer is an email person coming from email versus a viewer coming from social media. That's how you can speak on that because you can Google analytics will, will parse those two out. They'll separate those. And you can look at those with varying graphs, right? You can put one graph in it against the other graph, right? And compare them. And you can, you can see right there what kind of viewer they are. So that's how you're talking on that. Um, One of the other things, so you, you've talked a lot about email. So there's ad ops is like you said, you can, you can double on, double monetization of the traffic, right? Mm-hmm. One is ad ops. So sending them to the website and then you got the ads there. And then the second one is email. So you, you do your own emails, you set up those kind of campaigns and things. Talk a little bit about that, what you, the, the work you do on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you can't tell already, I'm a 
very, very big fan of email and email marketing, email traffic, really just anything. Yep. Whether it's from a content news site or e-commerce, it doesn't matter. I still think, um, and it's not always a popular opinion, but I still think email is king. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Facebook. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so, you know, especially with the the news and, and like I said before, it doesn't really matter which side of the aisle you sit on. And for me, I couldn't even tell you what's what anyways. But <laughs> for, for different social media standpoints, um, Facebook in particular, Twitter's getting involved with that now. They're, they're really hammering down on all these political news sites because of either biases or you name it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm sure most of you have heard of the whole fake news scenarios and, mm-hmm. and all of that. Uh, regardless what you think there, it's irrelevant to this. Email is a good way to get set up to where A, you can monetize better and B, you're not dependent upon anyone else for your own traffic. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing for me. Because um, I've, I've seen Facebook pages get deleted overnight for what seemed to be no reason mm-hmm. or for multiple different niches. And then all of a sudden people are left, you know, trying to figure out how to keep making money with their site. Mm-hmm. So we put a lot of heavy focus into building email lists for ourselves and for our clients to drive traffic specifically. And then you have this ongoing asset that, you know, can never be taken away from you. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly getting traffic and I've noticed the best ways. So there's, there's a lot of simple ways to get to build your email list, whether it's a little pop-up form on your site, anything, mm-hmm. but the best ways I've noticed are through polls, petitions, and giveaways. Mm-hmm. People love interacting with those, um, especially giveaways. Mm-hmm. But if you can get into, you know, some sort of polarizing niche, there's always going to be a strong opinion one way or the other. And so that's great for a polar petition because you're driving emotion to the audience, getting them to engage with you based on that emotion. And then to be able to answer your poll or sign the petition, they have to give you your email. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to get this, get this out of the way, there's always the disclaimer at the bottom. The users are well aware they're going to be added to a marketing list mm-hmm. or an email list for a newsletter or whatever. It's, it's very clear on any of these. Mm-hmm. But from there, it's just a really good way to secure yourself, your site, or your clients um, from the worry of social media traffic. Mm-hmm. Now, so you're saying that if I'm a, an author and I have my book on Amazon, that I'm, I'm good to go? <laughs> We've had <laughs> no, this conversation Amazon before. actually kick people off as well. <laughs> yeah, but, but talk about from like a, a customer information standpoint, like keeping uh, your yeah. customer's information, right? So yeah, the main reason, so we do a lot of e-commerce as well. And the main reason we actually use Amazon for, for none of it, like we literally have zero Amazon stores ourselves. It's all either Shopify or e-commerce, you know, any other platform, Amazon, anything you sell on Amazon, actually all of your customer information is theirs, not yours. (laughs) So it's like, you're bringing all these customers, you're doing great. And then like, you want to remarket to people or anything you don't have any other information. Mm-hmm. Like you might have their name just because you have to fill it. But even then, most of the time, Amazon's doing all that anyways. Mm-hmm. And so you're just kind of left holding the bag, waiting for the next sale instead of being proactive and, you know, expanding on your audience base and trying to resell, you know, get second or third sales from the same people. Mm-hmm. So from my experience, that really hurts your customer lifetime value because you can't, 
market to them beyond, you know, that initial sale. Right. Yeah. And, and I, uh, <laughs> but, yeah. and I said, I speak from personal experience. We've had this, this conversation and, uh, I paid the dumb tax so everybody doesn't have to. And my, my first, my first book, my Amazon bestselling book, uh, 2000, was it 17? I wrote it January. And then it was a actual bestseller briefly in January, 2018. And I, I think, I don't think it went a whole year where I finally got smart and was like, well, wait a minute, I'm not getting these emails. I'm not getting these, these, these addresses. Amazon's getting all of it. So then I smartened up finally and, and had a actual where they could go through the website and, and we do it through, we do it through our website, but then we use a lot of the um, Zapier stuff to connect it to my Shopify store so that, and then in a Shopify have a little, what do you call it? Not widget, but the extension or whatever it is, you know, plug in that you can, you can have access to called Lulu express. And so they're the ones that will print the book and then send it out. But I have access to all that information. Now uh, it would have been nice 10,000 copies before to have 10,000 people's information. I could have had all that stuff, but you know, I didn't. So paid the dumb tax and so to everybody out there listening that want to be authors or they don't have to. Yeah, but you know, there's usually a price tag with knowledge, and <laughs> I paid it. Yep, I paid the yeah. dumb tax. <laughs> I love that. Um, before before we uh, we we cap this up, before we tell people where they can find you and and, and stuff like that, if they're interested, um, go over a little bit. I know. Again, I, I wanted to set that up that you're not a political guy. You don't you don't listen to all that kind of stuff. But I do want you to tell the story where you just kind of mentioned. Again, another personal uh, story, right? You're, 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 you paid the dumb tax. Uh, what happened? So you had a couple, you had what, three or four conservative news sites at the time. And then you had a, a store where you're selling Trump 2020 coins before the election. So take it from there. So you're doing really well. I mean, if you, you can discuss numbers if you want, you don't have to, it's up to you. But uh, I mean, numbers would be important in this, irrelevant in this story, because once you get to the end, yeah. it's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here's the reason I love email. Here's just another example. So we're, you know, when we had these commemorative coins, they were going great. We had done, gosh, close to half a million in sales at this point over the course of three or four months. Yeah, and this is during COVID, by the way, 2020. Yeah, this is, right. yeah during yeah. COVID, right before leading up to the election. Mm -hmm. And, um, and for the people on the left, I'm sorry you don't buy products as well as on the right. So we don't. <laughs> like you said, just looking at the numbers, I objectively. Don't know uh, <laughs> but we are just, you know, ads are going wild. Facebook's crushing it for us. Um, you know, we literally couldn't scale fast enough, mm. and we couldn't keep up with demand. And so we did, I think, about 200 and 15, $220,000 in sale one month. And then Facebook decides we're going to pause all political advertising, no matter what it's about. <laughs> and then I remember specifically November 4th, 2020, they paused <laughs> all of that, shut down our, all of our ads. They didn't kick us out of our ad account or anything. They just mm. forced us to pause everything. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what happens when you pause an ad for those Facebook ad people out there? What happens when you have to pause an ad to the seasoning? Uh, all of your optimizations and everything go out the window. Yeah, mm -hmm. you got to start all over again, almost. Not not all yeah. over, but pretty much. Like you still at least have like, your audience and everything in hand, but the each, literally, you can have 20 different ads rolling and each individual ad has their own optimization process. Mm -hmm. 
And the second those get paused, everything you had rolling for you has to be relearned within the Facebook algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> so they hit the pause button there on November 4th. We went from doing $220,000 in sales the previous month to, I believe it was like 13,000. Wow. Yep. And that was the issue, uh, like you said, what, what do you call it, the dumb tax? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got some just smacked down. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I do not like to be dependent upon Facebook. outside <laughs> resources. Yep. Um, you know, we were fortunate enough to where we did have all of our, you know, user information. We had built up an e-commerce uh, email list and everything. Uh, since we're using Shopify, not Amazon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Big difference there. Yep. But it got to the point where we even were like, okay, what is still works within the niche that's not political? Okay, let's commemorate coins for like to honor our military branches. Mm-hmm. Facebook still told us no. Mm. They wouldn't even let us do that. And um, the store was not the same until... I think it was either late February or early March of this year, 2021, where they finally lifted that pause on political advertising. Mm-hmm. And then we had to let Facebook relearn everything we had already, already done. Mm-hmm. And that took about another three to four weeks of just learning, getting the ads set again. And, um, you know, unfortunately by then it's almost too late because mm-hmm. it pauses during the height of the political season. Right. And, and people don't know that now, and probably maybe even it's changed, but probably about six, eight months ago, I had heard that now if you're even, I think it's just one ad, one ad set or one ad, uh, yeah, one ad set is like $1,000 that you'd spend in a week in order to get it optimized. So it's not even optimized until you spend up to $1,000 or maybe you can get, if you're taking emails, I mean, you get a thousand, was it, is it a, it's a thousand emails, right? Before you can create a, a decent uh, lookalike, uh, you got to have mm-hmm. at least a thousand emails. So, I mean, you got to spend a lot of money now. It's not like in the old days when I started on 2015 or 16 and shoot, I was, it was crazy. I was ignorance on fire. I knew enough to be, to be dangerous. Uh, mm-hmm. but you know, hundred emails and boom, it would spit out this lookalike that lowered your ad rate from like 50 cents per lead. You know, I was trying to get emails down to like 10 cents per lead. It was like, Whoa, and then, then they just changed everything and now set the bar even higher. So it makes it harder for like smaller businesses to, to even compete. Yeah. Well, that's the unfortunate thing. Facebook, we used to call it the wild west Facebook days Yeah, where you can just, you can almost create your entire like traffic network and your reach was just insane. And then now everything is pay to play. Mm-hmm. If you want anything done through Facebook and want any look, you got to pay just to get in the game. And then optimize from there. So yeah, it's they definitely change up everything. Um, I mean, I, I think I've told you this story. I'm not going to give away the client, mm-hmm. but I was doing ad ops, and we were making about a half a million a month in ad revenue for this client. And then he lost. They, Facebook decided to delete their Facebook page, and they dropped to five thousand dollars a month. In ad Whoa. Revenue. Yep. Wow. They went from doing, um, it was 40 or 50 million pages per month to just gone to, to like maybe 500,000. Crazy. 
Yeah. So yeah, again, you're building a really good case for email. <laughs> and if, yep. and if you can, you, you can get the phone number. That's, that's good too, for, for SMS and text and stuff like that. But yeah. Yep. So, well, cool. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for your time. I want you to give people out there want to reach out, want to know more about your services. Where can they find you? Yeah. Feel free to go to mainline.media. That is our website. Um, to clarify, I'm not a web designer. I'm currently getting professional one done. Uh, <laughs> but feel free to reach out at austin at mainline.media. That's my direct email. I'm happy to answer any questions. Just give me a shout. And sometimes the bad websites, the people that digital marketing guru types are the better ones because they're spending more time actually in the trenches doing what they do best than actually designing websites. Now, uh, you know, we've, we've, grouped together on a couple of projects on a, on a gold site project and a, and a crypto one. And so I, I kind of bring that side, the SEO and the, the UI UX design and, you know, that kind of thing. So that's, that's kind of why we've gone in on that, but Hey, I want to thank you Austin for, for your time today. And I'm sure we'll do plenty of other tactical, more tactical and strategic stuff than people getting to know you. But I think this was a good video to do so that people could actually get to know you. Yeah, well, I appreciate it. And yeah, I look forward to going uh, further down the rabbit hole with you. Cool. All right. So we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk soon. Yep. Appreciate it. All right. Let me, uh, let me find the where is it? Stop recording button. Yeah. Let's see, where is it? There we go.